Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we give you our week three preview. We'll go through all the biggest games of this week, give you our picks, and then we'll tell you who to target in this week's plethora of high-scoring games. All that and more coming right up. So here we are in week three already. I can't believe we're already at week three. It feels like the season just started yesterday, but that's just how it is every season. It feels like the season just started all the way until week 12, in which case we all take a look around and say, where did the time go? How is this pretty much already over? So, but here we are, week three. I'm excited about this week, um, Xavier. Oh, speaking of which, my name is Jared Palmgood. I am the host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. Probably should introduce myself at one point in this podcast, and I should always introduce the better half of the show, Mr. Xavier Hood, uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Xavier, how are you doing today? Doing all right. We're doing all right. Excited for week three. Can't wait for it to be... I think we get our first slate of games on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I believe we get Louisiana at Ohio on Thursday. Yeah. So, so that that'll that'll be a good uh, one off to start the week. I'm excited about this week because I'm looking at this slate of games, and it looks like this is a great opportunity for so many questions about a lot of these teams that we're just not sure about to finally get answered. We finally get a few more data pieces of. What does this team look like when they go up against real competition? So, again, we got a lot of great games to talk about today. And first, we're going to go through just some of the bigger games. And then at the end, we're going to touch on we're going to touch on the higher scoring games or the ones that are expected to be higher scoring games. And we'll touch on specific players you should probably target in those games. Uh, We'll go chronological order here. And we're going to go ahead and start with the first game on the slate. Uh, that we have listed here, and that is Michigan State at Miami. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, you have number – you have ranked 24 Miami, or is it 25? 24. uh, 24 Miami versus unranked Michigan State. I know a lot of people in the Michigan State community feel like they need to be respected a little bit more uh, by the AP and deserve to be a ranked team. We ought to respect Sparty. We also, yeah, we also respect Sparty, like for real. Michigan State's the real, I believe they're the real deal this year. And I, I am one, one with that crowd and believing that Michigan State is a quality program in the Big Ten and also in all of college football. So this is a big test for them to go against a ranked opponent. And they're playing down uh, at Miami. So it will be up to Mel Tucker, Kenneth Walker, uh, Peyton Thorne, and Jalen Reed. And just the entire offense to uh, see what they have against Miami because Miami has not looked good defensively this year. So it will be an interesting game. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, I don't think they faced a team with a quarterback of this caliber like almost ever uh, in Mel Tucker's career and for this young uh, Michigan State team. So it, well, it they will faced be Justin de- Fields last year. They did I, I, I would consider him a pretty good quarterback. I will, but I think Derek King is something, a, a different factor of like a guy that has uh, Justin Fields, uh, also, like he had great rushing ability, but now you have another guy that's like uh, with Donald Cheney Jr. Uh, going down. He's going to be a big factor in that run game along with Cameron Harris. And unlike Justin Fields, where he had like a bunch of receivers. So it's it's going to be a question on both sides of the ball, but um, I'm excited for that game. I, I'll take Michigan State in the upset though. Yeah, I think uh... – this one, this one's actually kind of hard for me because I've been bashing Miami on this podcast pretty harshly, I'd say, yeah. over the past couple of weeks, um, especially for their um, near upset last week against Appalachian State. And uh, I really think that 
from just an overall football perspective, this is an opportunity for Miami to win back a lot of good graces. You have a Michigan State team who is very hot right now. Um, again, we're not entirely sure uh, about Michigan State in terms of how their offense will translate to playing some higher caliber teams than Northwestern. I don't think it's a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, uh, or at least I don't think it's a team that's going to make Michigan State look way better on offense than they actually are. So, I don't know. I'm I'm rooting for Miami to buy back some goodwill here, although I do really like some teams or some um, – I do like a lot of the pieces that Michigan State seems to be working with. Um, hold on. Let me, let me actually look up the line on this game real quick because this game is Miami by a touchdown, six and a half mm. points. So Miami is favored in this game, and I do think that's for a reason because they do have – the weapons to when they do put it together, they can win a good game like this. And it's tough. It's really tough. I, th- I, I think this is going to be a closer game than the spread is indicating. It being at Miami, I think, will help a lot. But then again, so was last week against Appalachian State. And I do think Michigan State is a better team than that. It's It's tough. And I hate to I hate to seem like I continuously bash Miami, but I'm gonna to have to go Michigan State here, along with you. Uh, speaking okay. of which, uh, we'll go ahead. Um, after, now that we're kind of finished with this game. I'll go ahead and update. So last week, uh, Xavier and I made picks on on 18 different games, and just to update the scores at home, I went 11 for seven, and Xavier went nine for nine. There were quite a few upsets last week, so I think. Hopefully we'll have better records than that after each week, but you know, college football is crazy. That's part of the fun. Anyway, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game. And that is Virginia tech at West Virginia. Uh, Xavier started last time. So I'll start on this one. Basically the thing I'm most excited to see about this is the run game for both teams. Again, I like Letty Brown. I have him in several different places. Uh, Dude is just a volume guy and he will get those goal line carries every nine out of 10 times. So I'm excited to see him going in this game, uh, going up against Virginia Tech, a team that, you know, shut down UNC the first week, a team that just destroyed Georgia State this past weekend. And I think what was a quite the makeup game, uh, Virginia Tech looked very strong that first week. They looked good against uh, MTSU last week. So I'm excited to see this um, cross-conference data point because we got a team that we are now expecting to be a pretty good team in the ACC going up against what I would call a mid-tier team in the Big 12. And I just want to see how these two teams stack up. So, Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, this is a tricky game for sure because um, I, I love the the run game from West Virginia. Maybe not so much for Virginia Tech. Uh, they had a lot of running backs last week, and they even used the the quarterback. Uh, oh, man, what's his name again? It's uh, Black Shear. No, it's not Black Shear. That's Black Shear's running back. back. But um, it's uh, Burmeister. Burmeister. Yes. Burmeister, yeah, he he got involved in this game against Middle Tennessee State last week, so it, it's just a lot, and it doesn't like they don't have any like names that pop out or stand out to me that could if, like influence this game. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, I can't predict touchdowns, and you know if somebody has a hot hand and breaks off loose for a big one, but I it's really tough because I'm a defensive guy. I love to see defense. I love to see teams like you know overcome adversity and you know have like. How, how do I want to put this? Uh, if you're playing good defense and then you just give up on a big play because it was just bound to happen, then I, I will appreciate your team a little bit more 
Mm-hmm. But if your team has no defense at all and you're just relying on your offense, then I don't think that's a good recipe for but winning that's not, this game. That, but that's not Virginia Tech. And that's, not yeah, Western, not. that's not West Virginia either, in my opinion. Whew, like, uh, we, 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 saw, yeah. we saw what um, – again, not, not that West Virginia's defense is anything to write home about or anything like that, but we saw Virginia Tech shut down UNC in week one. They have a great defense, and they have no, no, an I, Okay, I go ahead, that. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I believe in Virginia Tech's defense. That's probably what I was more uh, trying to get to the point of. It's just that I, I maybe, uh, like, for ex- as exciting the West Virginia offense is, I'm concerned for West Virginia's sake to where mm-hmm. I, I, be- I think I'm leaning more towards Virginia Tech, even though I like the offensive weapons on uh, West Virginia better. And I don't think, you know, it, probably they have uh, the line for that game is probably like Virginia Tech winning by like either – Minus three or maybe a touchdown. And would, would you like to know? Because I'm not gonna lie, I, this shocked me. I just I did. just looked at it. So number Ooh. 15, Virginia Tech on the road at West Virginia. West Virginia is a three-point favorite. Whoa. Okay. So well, I, I got the, I got the line right, but just go the wrong team. Uh yeah, I think it will be that close of a game where it comes down to a one-score game and it's not gonna be a touchdown. But I don't think it's going to be an offensive shootout that, you know, a lot of fantasy gurus are hoping for. So I'll take uh, Virginia Tech and their defense in this one. Yeah, I think I just like the lines of scrimmage on Virginia Tech side of the side a little bit more. I like the I honestly like the offensive weapons outside of even outside of um, Raheem Blackshear on Virginia Tech. I like Trey Turner. I like uh, Tavion Robinson. I like the receiving weapons that they do have. And I think if they can just break open one or two good passing plays, I think that'll be more than enough for them to take this game. So I'm going to go with you, Virginia Tech, with the technical upset over West Virginia. Yeah. And they are missing their tight end, James Mitchell. He's out for the year. So that will uh, maybe play a factor in it. A really good tight end for that program. That, that is very, very true. That is a good call there. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to – in my opinion, the biggest game of the noon slate. I know that Fox has decided that they want to be nostalgic, nostalgic and all, but let's be real. Number eight, Cincinnati going on the road to Indiana. What do you think here, Xavier? Oh, uh, you know what? For you to say this is the biggest game of the noon slate, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. I still think it's that Michigan State-Miami game, but I I am intrigued by this game. I think uh, Cincinnati, uh, they are who they are. Last season, I felt like they got discredited a lot. Uh, I was one of those people where at the beginning of the year, people like Cincinnati could be a playoff team, and I wrote them off and laughed. I laughed at Jared. I laughed at uh, um, Desmond, Desmond Howard, Howard. On, uh, on ESPN. I didn't believe it at the time. The people were telling me about their defense, Desmond Ritter, the run game, and I was like, yeah, 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 but they're AAC. They're not going to make a playoff. And then at the end of the year, I was like, they had a legitimate case. If it wasn't between Texas A&M and Cincinnati, you know, honestly, I still would have picked Texas A&M, but I could not. If Cincinnati were to have gotten in, I would have not bat an eye. I would have been like, it's fine. I'm fine with that. But I will say this. Indiana does not look that impressive this year. Um, the, the last game, they had Michael Penix come in as a QB2, I believe. They had their uh, they had another QB out there, but then they kind of started splitting QB like reps. And I think Michael Penix ended up having the better uh, day towards the end, but still wasn't impressive enough. And now you're going to get a good Miami team on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball. Jerome Ford's going to run all over them. Desmurder can run as well, too. I'm not, you know, expecting too much of their receivers, maybe not even too much out of Wiley. 
Mm-hmm. But on the defensive side of the ball, Cincinnati, uh, even though they've uh, kind of looked a little bit uh, a step slower in recent years, they still have their uh, their great corner where nobody's testing him so far. So that's that's going to be a big game for him. Forgot his name at the top uh, at this moment, but it's uh, he's received like zero targets his way so far this year, and it's going to be a big test for them, especially since it's going to be their first Power Five uh, team they played this season. But I still have Cincinnati winning this game. I think handily as well too. Well, the spread on this game is Cincinnati minus three and a half. Really? So odds makers in Vegas are saying, hey, we're missing something here. Because I, I would agree with you. On the surface level, Indiana has not looked great this year so far. Um, last week, they got to beat up on a cupcake, uh, get some things right. Uh, the week before that, they looked Terrible. awful against Iowa. Now, again, the score of that game got a little bit lopsided because – of all the pick sixes and the um, the picks that Michael Penix threw, then again at the end of the day, that does affect the scoreboard. So you can't be too like you can't be too um, judgmental about that. But even still, I think Indiana is in what you would call like wounded animal mode. Like this is a team that has prided themselves this entire offseason on hey. We were good last year. That was not a fluke. We're going to prove ourselves again this year. Came out completely flat against a, what we now know is a good Iowa team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I think Indiana has a lot to prove here, and there's no better way to start than being at home against one of the top 10 teams in the nation in Cincinnati and trying to say, hey, you're still G5, we're Power 5. If we if, if if Indiana beats Cincinnati, they have all their goals ahead of themselves still. I think if they lose to Cincinnati, all of a sudden, every goal they've had this season just goes out the window. There's no testing the Big Ten East. There is no nine-win Indiana or nine-win Indiana. Uh, I got to make sure I say that right. Um, even still... Cincinnati is a very, very good team, and this is a huge game for them. I've said it. I've been on the record saying before this that if Cincinnati goes undefeated this year, there's not a good case to keep them out of the playoff unless there's just too many good teams, if that makes any sense. Now, I will say uh, they are getting screwed right now by Indiana falling on their face early on in the season. Notre Dame just not looking impressive in their first two games. So... I would hate for Cincinnati to get to the end of the season undefeated, but Notre Dame sitting there with four, uh, four, three or four losses. Indiana's maybe not even making a bowl game if they continue to play the way they have. I would hate that for Cincinnati. But even still, I think Cincinnati is a team that knows what they want. They know what they they're going to get. Indiana might be in wounded animal mode, which is why I think this game will be closer than necessarily a lot of people will think on the surface. I, I kind of agree with the close spread on this game, but I'm going to be with you. I'm still going to take Cincinnati to win this game. Yeah. All right. So next game we got here, this one was a, a little, I think it's a little bit off the radar, but for CFF fans, this is a fun one. And that's Nevada at Kansas state. Again, this is a fun one because CFF first, we love the Nevada offense. We love Carson Strong. We love Cole Turner. We love Dubs. We love uh, Elijah Cooks. We love Torrey Horton. As many pieces of that offense as we can get. I'm a big fan of Skylar Thompson at Kansas State. Uh, however, he is down. 
after this week, Will Howard comes in. And I think a lot of people are now doubting Kansas State because, you know, Skylar Thompson's not there. I don't necessarily see this game that way. I think Will Howard got plenty of experience last year and will be able to come in almost seamlessly into this game. Um, in addition to that, uh, Nevada's only a two-point favorite here. I just want to point that out. Um, they are, they're, like, they're coming into a Kansas State team that has Deuce Vaughn. I think that this game could end up being I don't want to say closer than expected because the spread is only two point game and two point spread in this game. However, you know, Nevada, I don't know. Xavier, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm very torn on this game. What are you thinking here? Yeah. Uh, with Scott Thompson going down, it is a big factor and I'll probably just go out and say that I have Nevada winning, but I, I love Deuce fine. I, I know you were a little bit hesitant about him and consistency this season and he's been consistent for his first three games so far. Or That's true. Two, uh, two games. So, and I love this going forward. And, you know, for this game, he's going to have a big workload. Like last game against Southern Italy, he had 26 carries. I think against Nevada, he'll probably have the same or even a little bit more, which is also mm-hmm. concerning because I uh, like, uh, we love high volume guys. They get a lot of the carries, but sometimes that can be a little bit too much as we've seen in the Muhammad Ibrahim case where, you know, too much stress on one running back can be a lot. Mm-hmm. But you're going against, a, I would say, a softer Nevada team. I mean, this is going to be a big opponent for you, specifically Kansas State. But you're going against a softer Nevada team whose rush defense ranks 79th uh, out of uh, all FCS teams. So perfectly or average. FBS, FBS team. So it's average. Like, you're only giving up um, – let me see this again. It is about yeah, – they're, they're averaging like 146 yards per game, like they're allowing. And I think Deuce Vaughn is that electric to where I don't think they faced a running back of that caliber just yet for Nevada, if I'm not mistaken. They've only played, oh man, what was it? It was like um, they California week one. They had California week one, which wasn't like they don't have a great running game. They played Idaho State. So this will be a big test for them in their run defense. But I will give it to Nevada in the end, I think. They just, it, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, a, a shootout of like the air, but I think it's going to be, you know, maybe Deuce Vaughn go uh, scores early, you know, and then Nevada Carson strongly, you know, throw, throw some, uh, throw some touchdowns and then Deuce Vaughn tries his best to keep it close. But I, I think, yeah, in the end, it'll probably be a two score game for Nevada. If I'm not, if I'm being brutally honest. Yeah. No, again, the more and more I'm like staring down at this game, I, again, my heart, or my gut really is telling me Kansas state, but my brain is saying that Nevada offense is not going to get stopped by Kansas state. They're going to put up their points. Um, So unless I think Deuce Vaughn has a career day and Will Howard comes out much better than people were expecting. I just can't really see a scenario where Nevada really loses this game. So I am going to hesitantly agree with you that Nevada is going to win this game again my gut is telling me like don't be surprised if kansas state wins this game um next one uh purdue at notre dame so xavier yeah. what are your thoughts here yeah, this is a little bit tricky ah man who, who do i want to talk about i'll talk about notre dame first um notre dame they're still undefeated they beat florida state in an overtime win for the beginning of their season and they went on to toledo and it was so funny because i was watching the georgia uab game and I was with a good friend of mine. And he was like, you know, Toledo's beating Notre Dame. And I was like, what quarter is it? He was like, it's third quarter late. And I was like, really? 
oh, we might have to turn on that game to see what's going on here. And that game at towards the end, I didn't get to see the beginning, but towards the end, it looked so messy for both sides. I could see Toledo trying their hardest. And at the end, it just like ended up for Notre Dame being a Michael Meyer bailout, which for, you know, a lot of Michael Meyer owners like myself and me and Jared in our Kings Classic League, it was a great day because he ended up getting the game winning touchdown. But I was like, this is a Toledo team. I, I'm, I'm not going to say like Toledo's a bad team, but they're a Mac team. It's not like this is your Notre Dame. You're supposed to have a higher pedigree. Like you, you've been in the playoffs for the past like two, like it's been like two years or something like that. Or it's just like they always find a way to weasel their way in and then they get exposed by Alabama or Clemson or whatever or us. So now you're trying to like, you know, replicate that. And Brian Kelly's doing his like best job of getting Jax Cone and like that offense with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree and Michael Meyer, like back to that prominence of like, yeah, we're still like a, you know, a top five team in the nation when they're just not. And I feel like they're ranked appropriately now, but this could end up being a trap. I think they are. I think they've, they played the games they played in front of them. They're ranked. I understand. But I think this is the week. This is could be possibly be their downfall so xavier you and i you and i had some beef the other day when it came to like determining how to rank and everything because you were giving me crap yeah. about about me even considering the idea that florida state should have been almost ranked after oh. after week <laughs> one and you were very clear about the fact that like hey you have to take what your team the teams have given you so far you cannot do speculation you can't say or no, this is a completely different conversation. I think it was talking about like where we had Oregon ranked versus Clemson and stuff like that. So we thought Oregon yeah. was too high, but I said like, yeah. oh, Clemson would beat Iowa and Oregon on a neutral field. And you're like, oh, you yeah, can't do can't, you can't do imaginary can't do scenarios. scenarios. You have to give the teams what they get in front of you. Well, let me tell you what Notre Dame has given us so far. They have they had to beat Florida State in overtime against a Florida State team that just went on to lose to Jacksonville State, and then they struggled at home against a MAC team that, while they're great for CFF, they typically do abysmal outside of their conference. You are talking about a team that has given us no reason for us to expect them to be even in the top 15, let, them, let alone a top five. However, with all the that being column. said... With all that being said, they did win those games. But also, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm just used to Notre Dame doing this. Where especially like early on in the season, you see just several close wins that just make you question Notre Dame and say, what are we doing here? Why are we even considering this? And then they still manage to go on and have a one to two loss, even undefeated season by the end of the season. Now, I don't think that happens this year because it's been just what I've seen. I don't believe in Notre Dame but also again this is more of a gut feel I'll be real this isn't like the greatest of analysis here but Purdue at Notre Dame my my brain says Purdue's got a great offense they're going to be able to put points up on Notre Dame and Purdue has a legit shot of pulling up the pulling off the upset at home based on what Notre Dame's given us so far but this is college football and Notre Dame for some reason is going to just blow the crap out of Purdue this weekend because that's just how this game works, where as soon as you start questioning Notre Dame, they'll go and beat a team that all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, 
oh, watch out for Purdue. Watch out for Purdue. No, I think Notre Dame wins this weekend. And as much as I want them to win, I think they win pretty hand- – I, I think Notre Dame wins pretty handedly here. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement as well, too. I, I was going to – before you, you know, so graciously interrupted me. No, I'm just playing. It's all good. I okay. love the little segue that we had. Um, but before that, I, I was going to get into, like, I, I did believe that Purdue has the ability to upset based on what we've seen. Now, going back to your thing about the rankings, I was like, at the end of the day, the AP only really cares about the win at the end of the day. Like, I mean, you can lose. Which is like, a flawed logic plan. I'm just point, I'm pointing that it out. It is. It is. Now, if we were talking about the college football playoff rankings, then we could have that, you know, that imaginary scenario of like, all right, which team really looks the best if I had to put these two teams together? And then I would understand your argument. But for the AP, I'm looking at what your schedule is, what's given in front of you. Have you lived up to like your expectation of like winning that game? Not of like what I've seen on the field. So, but besides all that, Purdue has a uh, with Jack Plummer and uh, David Bell. Uh, they look dynamic. I mean, they blew out a UConn team that's pretty bad last week. And mm-hmm. the, uh, week one, David Bell had over like a hundred something yards. Still no touchdown, but still great. Milton Wright hasn't really broke out just yet, so we're kind of waiting on that. But Xander Horvath did go down, so that is going to be a question mark for that Purdue team of who's going to be running back. It's not going to be um, the transfer that just came in because he's no, still not eligible. No, it won't be Samson James. I think King but it's, uh, is probably yeah, your is. best best option And he there. is very interesting. I was, uh, was looking at him earlier. Uh, I would like to see how he uh, fares against this Notre Dame team. But I will give Notre Dame that secondary and what they have back there with that one uh, looks like All-American corner. I forgot uh, his name. but Kyle Hamilton? He's a safety. Yeah. Oh, safety. Okay, then. I think back there. I think they went on the defensive side of the ball to where they may shut down like Purdue's only way of like producing offense with uh, David Bell and possibly Milton Wright. And it will probably look pretty handily because you still have Michael Meyer and uh, Jax Cohn. If he can, like he didn't have a terrible game against Toledo. It's just that they couldn't like, you know, put up points uh, for Mm -hmm. a while. So I'll give it to Notre Dame in this one as well too. Yeah. Again, my like all logic points to Purdue having a legitimate shot to upset they Notre do. Dame in this game. They absolutely but again, do. like with just how college football works, like again, just my my gut is just saying that Notre Dame beats out Purdue pretty handedly here. Um, especially like especially like you said, especially if they take away if the run game for Purdue is not working, if they are able to take away some of those passing options like David Bell, like Payne Durham and everything. And I can easily see this get game getting out of hand for Notre Dame or getting out of hand for Purdue and Notre Dame winning very comfortably here. Yeah. So next one, this almost any other year, I feel like would be a massive game this weekend, like massive. But I think that Alabama has just had such a stranglehold on the entire sport that when they're facing another almost top 10 opponent, it almost becomes still a guarantee that, yeah, Bama's probably going to win this game comfortably. Alabama, number one Alabama, going into the swamp at number 11 Florida. Is it me, or does this game feel like it's just not getting talked about enough? And is that the reason why? Because people just assume Bama's Bama. No, no, no. I'll tell you why it's not being talked enough. It's because Dan Mullen has decided to go with the wrong quarterback. He, he's decided to be loyal to Emory Jones. It's not Kyle Trask from last year, the past two years, and it's not the same prolific offense that we've seen in the past. So even though Florida's ranked 11th, 
they like you know in our eyes and if the if the college football playoff committee came today and had to rank teams florida would not be 11 it just it, that's the simple fact of it it's like florida's trying to reinvent their offense they're trying to like you know transition for like you know the future of like recruiting and getting more players so that they can re- replicate that 2020 season of having kyle pitts uh Kadarius tony trevon grimes uh jacob copeland as your like wide receiver four so it's just not going to happen this year you have a lot of young talent with copeland as your number one xavier henderson as your number two uh zipper as your tight end it's just not going to be the same so nobody's expecting florida to challenge alabama this doesn't like feel like a top 10 matchup because realistically it's not. Now I will say this for all the praise that Bama is getting. I think I do see a weakness in Bama. Their defense is still stout. I think it's perfect. Uh, they can do no wrong on the offensive side of the ball. I've noticed a little bit with Bryce young, I guess that Mercer game, when he gets a little bit of pressure under him, he tends to, you know, take those sacks pretty often. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there. Sorry to interrupt you once again, but. Oh, you're fine. It- Go back and watch the Miami game and tell me that Bryce Young doesn't perform well under pressure. Oh no! I mean, that, the Miami game it was a it was a it was a week one game, but I think week one it catches a lot of teams off guard. And maybe, then now that but, now that teams have more film on you, and if they if they see that hey maybe he doesn't perform well when he has like you know, say you take the Georgia like uh, defense against Clemson for example, and you just start blitzing the crap out of him, and you know. It's not going to be like uh, Evan. Miami bit like, blitzed the crap out of him. Miami sent five guys after him several times, and he still was able to get the ball away. I, I, I sorry, I got, I got to disagree with you heavily on this whole, on this whole take here. You're talking about putting film out there. Do you think Mercer is the kind of team that's going to have the bodies to be able to execute on a level to where they actually can do that, or do, you, or which is more likely, Mercer having the ability to execute on something that's able to actually stop Bama? Or did Saban say, hey, don't take any risks, don't take any chances, take the sack if you need to. These guys aren't going to score on us. We're going to blow them out. I just think, you know, I'm not going to always say that, like, hey, don't take any risks, don't take any chances. But it's just like I'm not going to give these uh, down, play these teams and say, hey, they're not like uh, they, ha- they don't have the ability to make, you know, a few sacks on their own talent. Like, I believe, like, you know, these uh, chances, even if like Georgia versus UAB, to where we gave away a pick six i don't like doubt the ability of like you know carson beck probably would be the starter of uab if he was at uab but the fact that that pick six happened i'm not going to downplay the ability of that corner for getting that i i I give teams chances of like i won't say a college football team is just that terrible where they can't do anything yes but what you're doing is taking a i think a circumstantial situation and trying to apply it in a broader sense where you're saying that like this is a weakness of bama I, I want to say it's a Bryce weakness. Young faces I, pressure from the D line that he performs worse, which I, that, not, I, my, in the Miami game showed that that's not the case at all. I don't know. In the Miami game, he looked pretty comfortable until the fourth quarter, until they just you know took the foot off the gas, and that was it. But like early on, you know, it was slow against Mercer. I'm just saying, like coaches do this thing where they look at film of like, hey, this may be a little bit, uh, this may be successful. Uh, Because this team had a little bit of success and this could look like a a potential like, you know, advantageous for us. I'm not saying Florida's going to win this game, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce Young, you know, did not look the greatest. Now, I can be proven wrong where Alabama blows them out because it's always Nick Saban and it's always Alabama. Mm -hmm. But I'm still like not going to buy into like, you know, I I love Bryce Young. I think he is the clear Heisman frontrunner for saying even saying that after week two, I feel like it's still too early. But even still, he looks great. 
But I, I'm not going to just, you know, outright give the man like all the praise in the world that he's just like not like that he's perfect. I, I will see, you know, weaknesses in a game and I will see how he responds to that. Now, I think Florida is a decent test to go against. I, I think, you know, down the line when he goes against like, you know, uh, not to say like Ole Miss, because Ole Miss will be a different situation where he has to shoot out. But Arkansas and uh, I would say Texas A&M, but their uh, Haynes King is kind of down. So it's just going to be weird. Uh, Bryce Young may have an easy path to the playoffs, but this may be probably, honestly, one of his hardest tests. Yeah, I guess all that to say, I'm I'm still taking Batman in this game. There's oh, absolutely. No re- there, there, there's no reason to doubt that. There's them. no reason not to. I'm not taking Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson uh, in an upset against Bama. I'm, I will no. say, like, I think people do need to calm down a little bit about Anthony Richardson. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's the better quarterback between him and Emory Jones. Like, I think I don't think there's any doubt there. But a lot of people are talking about, like, he, he hops into that Florida offense and all of a sudden this Kyle Trask 2.0. I don't think that's yeah. quite what we're going to see initially. Now, and I, I would say this, I would say like, there's a reason why <laughs> Mullen is starting Emory over Richardson, but I haven't seen that reason yet. And this is Loyalty. also the same man that tried to tell us for two years that Felipe Franks was better than uh, Kyle Trask. And I don't know how you can look at me with a straight face and tell me that was the case. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's pretty clear. We're both taking Bama in this game. Next one, I think I might expect a little bit of disagreement here. So I'm going to let you go first, Xavier. And that is Mississippi State going on the road. Once again, I thought SEC teams don't do that. Um, wait, wait, I, thought, I think you had that game wrong. I thought uh, Memphis is no, going to Mississippi State. this is Mississippi State on the road at Memphis. Hmm. Really? I'll just talk about it a little bit. I just want to make sure because I, I remember I was looking at that game and I was like, if Memphis has to go to Mississippi State, then that that changes a little bit. Mississippi State goes. Oh, to they Memphis. do. They go I, to I, Memphis. I, I promise you. So I'm going to let well, you start then, yeah. out here. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's let's start on the Memphis side of the ball. They look great. Uh, they look like uh, not to say the Memphis of old, but I mean, it looks like they they basically reloaded for an AAC team. Um. Uh, Brandon Thomas. A lot of uh. I'm not going to say Kenneth Gainwell. Uh. You know, that he's not the – a lot of people I've seen the comparison to the next Kenneth Gainwell. I won't go that far to say, but he looks very impressive for his first two starts, and the workload is showing, you know, it could be the next great Memphis running back. And then with Seth Hennigan at quarterback, he's still a freshman, still looks great out there for his first two games. Maybe the first game not so much, but it was his first game. Second game, he balled out of his life, five touchdowns mm-hmm. against Arkansas State. Now, not the greatest defense in the world, but – Five touchdowns is still five touchdowns and you're hitting your receivers. You're hitting Sean Dykes. You're fine. You're going through your progression. So he looks great. And with the culmination of having a run game, a passing option and a great quarterback or a good quarterback, I think is just good going forward. Now they are facing Mississippi state and it's an SES team. And I know I have a little bit of um, SEC bias, but I don't rate Mississippi State that highly. I remember we had this discussion uh, when we went to Canton of who would be the worst, um, who would be the worst SEC West team, and we both uh, kind of came to the agreement of Mississippi State. Uh, you know, there are a few others that uh, believe that it'll still be Arkansas, and we we're like, we saw you know a good enough promise from Sam Pittman in Arkansas, but I believe it's Mississippi State. Not saying Will Rogers is bad, not saying Jaquarius Marks or Jaden Wiley is bad. It's just that we're not inspired by that Mississippi State team uh, to you know win that many games. I just don't think they have enough uh, firepower or just enough, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball or offensive side of the ball to, like, combat with Memphis what they have in terms of talent. 
So I'm going to take Memphis in this game. I, I, I will take that. I think Memphis is actually favored in that game, if I'm not mistaken. False. Mississippi Ooh. State is favored by three. By three. By mm. three points. So I let you go first because yeah. I can make the argument for either side to win yeah. this game. I think this is a great out-of-conference matchup. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, what you're going to see is, first of all, this is going to be a shootout. I don't understand how this game isn't on our list of over-unders over 65. I was shocked when I saw the over-under. It was like 61 or something like that. I'm like, these teams are going to put up some points this weekend. Both of these teams are designed for a game like this. However, I do think the difference at the end of the day is going to be one Mississippi State's SEC defense, even I'm not don't again, don't hear what I'm not saying. When I say SEC defense, I'm not talking about like, oh, like this is like a Alabama, like Georgia level defense. Hell no. Hell no. But even still, the kinds of athletes that the SEC SEC schools recruit are still going to be, in my opinion, miles better than anything Memphis is going to be able to put on their defensive side of the ball. And so I think Mississippi State's going to be able to um I think they're going to be able to slow down Memphis just enough for Mississippi State to pull out the win here. Um, so I'm going to take Mississippi State here. Oh, but in addition, you believe in Will Rogers that, that much? Okay, so so I'm, yeah. I was actually just about to bring that up. I think the other difference here is the experience of Will Rogers. Even though it's not exactly been the greatest experience all the time, I think the great the experience of Will Rogers is going to trump over Seth Hennigan, who hasn't really faced a ton of ad. <sighs> a ton of defensive adversaries yet. So I think the, these are both, these are both quarterbacks that have won shootouts this year. So again, I think it's going to be a close game either way, I, but I'll I, say think, this. Oh. I think you see Will Rogers. I think you see Will Rogers and Mississippi state take the win over Memphis. I don't know. Miss uh, that LA tech game for that first game in that shootout. Will Rogers, he threw for three touchdowns, which was and over 370 yards. And, but he had a pick. I, I just think, you know, that Seth Hennigan probably has the most, uh, you know, explosive talent around him with Calvin Austin, Javon Ivory, Sean Dykes, than Will Rogers does in Jaquarius and, you know, Jaden Wiley and a few others. I'm trying to think who went us uh, scoring that first game. It was Calvin and Wiley. So, um, and Jaquarius had two touchdowns and Jaquarius had a lot of targets and a lot of receptions, mm. but I just, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to catch up with that offense. I don't – I mean, I will say last year they did, were able to stop the Georgia's run game for a little while. And I don't know if they can replicate that again and stop Brendan Thomas, but at the same time you have to worry about that outside. And I don't think they have – you know, even though I love Wiley so much, Calvin Austin is just much better. Javon Ivory's on the up and up. Again, I'm, I'm, let me be clear. I can make the argument for both teams either way. I just chose yeah. to go Mississippi State because, first of all, we have agreed on every game so far, and I just, felt the, I just felt the need for a, a – a little bit of difference. And I felt like this is a prime candidate um, okay. to where I, I wanted you to make your pick first. And now it's just going to argue the other side. Um, I really think either team could win this game. I'm going to lean Mississippi state though. Yeah. We'll go ahead and move on to our next game. And that is Arkansas state at Washington. Yeah. This. And... Yeah. I'll let you go. I, I, again, I, I think we're, I think we're both, not necessarily at a loss for words on this one, but it's it, this one's a hard one to gauge because again, yeah. Washington has just not looked good so far this year. They lost to Montana, the Grizz, uh, first week of the season, 
could not get any getting offense going in that game. They lost to uh, Michigan last week. Couldn't get any offense going in that game either. I give them a little bit more leeway on that because Michigan's got a good defense. But now you have Arkansas State, a, a very offensive explode in a very explosive offense coming into the game. And I think if Washington can force the game to be what they want to be slow ground and pound, uh, keep it a low scoring affair. I think Washington has a very good shot to win this game, but if Arkansas state starts putting some guys over the top, like Corey Rucker, like Jeff Foreman, like Travalence Hunt, like if they're able to get a few big plays on Washington and Washington falls behind in this game, I think this is going to be just one of those scenarios where I think if Washington can slow down Arkansas state early, they win the game. But if they allow some big plays early on and Arkansas state's able to take advantage of them, Washington's going to have a very hard time coming back in this game. So I haven't made my pick yet, but what do you think, Saber? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give context. It's only been two games, but Washington has the number one passing defense, like in terms of passing yards allowed in all of college, in the FBS. They're only allowing 74, uh, 74 yards per game, 74 and a half yards per game. Hmm. And the next one is uh, 83 and a half, and that's for Marshall. So, and I'm looking at their games. They took away that Michigan, like, you know, uh, that passing game. I mean, it's not anything to rave about in the recent years especially like this year now, because they have Hankins and Corum. But you took away another Power Five programs, uh, you know, that was having a good run game day, and you were able to almost completely shut down their passing game. And it it concerns me, because, like, I I love Arkansas State and the passing game they have, and it looks like they can be beaten through the ground. But Arkansas State doesn't have anybody that can beat you on the ground. It's all about the receivers and that high-explosive offense. And I think it's going to – I, I think this game is really going to come up to who who is going to be the the starter starter at quarterback and who's going to have to stay in that game the longest to put Arkansas State in the position to win and throw uh, Washington off. So for that reason, I'm just going to still go. I don't think I don't think um, Washington is going to get to an offense like this so far this season in terms of high power and the what they do uh, with their receivers. So I'll give it to Arkansas State. All right, I am going to disagree with you, actually, because I thought about it a little bit more. And also, I looked up the spread for this game. Spread for this game is Washington minus 16 and a half. I don't oh think they'll my. win by that much. But this is the perfect get-right game for Washington, I think. This is kind of what the doctor ordered. You got a good group of five team coming in. Like you said, they have one of the best passing defenses in the country. Now, again, context there, it's against Montana and Michigan, neither passing offense, exactly something to rave about. But even still, if they are successful in taking away Arkansas State's passing game, what does Arkansas State have left? I don't know. It's hard to stop three good receivers at this I agree. point. I, I agree. I agree. But three good receivers to another Sun Belt team versus a three good receivers compared to a Washington defense, I think are two different things. And I wouldn't be surprised if Washington is able to, to pull out the win here. So I'm going to go Washington. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you're just disrespecting the Sun Belt there just a little bit, but it's okay. I, little, I know a little bit. I'll be, I'll be I got real. a power five, you know, power five bias. But, you know, I feel like, you know, Corey Rucker, Trevelis, uh, Jeff, you know, they have some power five talent. You're right. You're right. But even yeah. still, 
Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game here. This is the game day game of the week here. Uh, we got number 22 Auburn at number 10 Penn State. This is the primetime 730 ABC game. I'm going to give you a score prediction here, Xavier, but I'm not going to tell you which team it is. And I need you to tell me if you feel the same way about this game. This game is the kind of game that has a final score of 23 to 16 written all over it. Oof, uh, if you believe that, then yeah, I, I, I could see it happening. But uh, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, I may be leaning another way. But I'll let you, you know, uh, explain a little bit more. So, again, I think both of these teams are in very similar situations. You have an Auburn team that is trying to establish itself as maybe a threat in the SEC West. Penn State coming off an abysmal year last year. Road hot into the end of the season, starting off hot this year, beating Wisconsin week one, able to uh, take care of business last week against Ball State. You got Auburn coming into this year, just absolutely destroying Akron and Alabama State, which again, not exactly great teams. Akron might be the worst team in the FCS, but at the same time, all you can do is just beat the teams on your schedule, and that's what they did. I think that... You see, you have two teams with a lot of questions at quarterback. Uh, Bo Nix entering what is looking like his final year. Uh, Sean Clifford entering what's looking like his final year at Penn State. Both have had have had troubles in the past passing the ball. Both are mobile quarterbacks that can take off and run at any time. And I just see both of these teams relying on their run game in this game. Auburn with Tank Bigsby and um, God, I forget the I forget the Noah Kane. The, or Penn State? No, no, no. There's another running back that broke off last week for Auburn. Uh, oh, Jarquez Auburn. Hunter, I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got him back there now, and I think he's going to be good in the coming future. And then you got Penn State, uh, who looks like finally has solidified who their number one back for this year is going to be. And thank God it's Noah Kane. I've been excited to see him fully healthy, able to lead the backfield at Penn State. Um, again, I just see this being a grounded pound kind of game. I don't really see either team using their receivers a ton in this game. And so I think that's why it ends up getting you a final score of 23 to 16. And I think it goes Penn State side. Um, I think Penn State wins this game. I think that they've had better experience in close games. I think Auburn, if they get behind in this game, hasn't had the experience of playing from behind quite yet this season. And I think that could end up putting them in trouble. Uh, again, I just think Penn State wins this game at the end of the day. I will say, though, my favorite sleeper for this week um, is in this game, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'll am gonna, i say that's Demetrius Robertson. I'm really excited to see if he's really used in this game on the Auburn side because he was used last week against Alabama State, um, got three touchdowns last week. I'm not going to act like that's going to happen every single week, but like he could easily become a CFF piece for you. Uh, just watch out for him. So what do you think, Xavier? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's going to be Auburn, and I don't think it's going to be as close as you think it's going to be. I just think um, – let's let's look at what Auburn has on the offensive side of the ball. You have Tanks Bigsby. You have Bo Nix, which I, I'm not going to rate Bo Nix like he's a good quarterback, but I, I rate his uh, rushing ability and his ability to escape and, you know, get first downs. And I will give the Auburn defense credit. They are, they are an SEC defense. There's no like denying that fact. They always throw a curveball every year in Alabama or Georgia. Just anybody that's trying to like, you know, have a good season, they throw a thorn in your side. At, at some point, 
to where they show that they can still have that eliteness in the SEC of like, you know, having a top defense and Penn state, I'm just not inspired this year at all. I, I don't, I, I don't believe, you know, I know you're excited about Noah Kane. I'm really not. He had 20 carries for 69 yards against ball state. What is that going to look like against Auburn? If you have 20 carries, are you going to still like, I'm not expecting you to get like 20 carries and over 69 yards. If you couldn't do that, uh, have over hundred yards against ball state. I just don't see it. And then we look at the, like the game script for the Wisconsin game. They didn't look that impressive either. You let Ches Malusi run for 30 times and he still got into the end zone about like once or twice. So I'm thinking Tanks Bigsby and uh, Hunter are going to have a field day with this Penn State defense. I think you're forgetting a very important piece of this game. It's the whiteout game, Xavier. Oh, okay. The whiteout game. We could, we could talk about the whiteout game. Um, I, I, I do. Jahan Dotson is a great receiver. Parker Washington is also a great receiver. And I, I, I love them a lot. But do I believe in Sean Clifford to go against an a Auburn defense and SEC and go and make the right pass for them? Because it's not going to be as easy as a Ball State or a Wisconsin every single he time. He made just enough against Wisconsin. Just enough against Wisconsin. This Wisconsin. Is yeah. This is this, this is different. This no, is different this ain't now. different. No, I, I consider different. Wisconsin a better team than Auburn. Whoa, uh, I, I, would I consider Wisconsin with... a better team than Auburn. And again, you're again you're completely dismissing the whole part about this being the wideout game. You're talking about an Auburn team with a ton of young players on this team that have never been in a true road environment thanks to the SEC or thanks to the um, coronavirus last year. You're talking about guys that have never even experienced. Like there's, there are the wideout is the kind of home environment that rivals SEC home game environments. Like probably the only teams that could really beat the wideout are, um, I'd say LSU, Bama, Texas A&M. Like those are probably I, those are the only ones I'd really put above. I, I would really put above the wideout game. Other than that, I, I, this is an environment that a lot of these players have just not been involved in. In addition to that. Like I said, Penn State has got something to prove here. They are trying to shake off last year's abysmal year, and I just don't see a reason why they don't come out firing all cylinders here for this wideout game. Yeah, but that's only if you believe in Sean Clifford, and he has to be able to get that ability. He has to have that ability to get Jahan and Parker the ball and not go against, you know, again, per se, I watched, easier I, I watched him do it last week. I watched, again, you, you yeah, said against yourself, no, Ball he, State. Yes. And guess what? He also did it against Wisconsin, he made just enough throws. You, yeah, you, just okay, enough against okay, Wisconsin. Hold on. Are you telling me to believe in Bo Nix? I'm telling you to believe in the Auburn defense and the run game. I'm not telling you to believe in Bo Nix. I'm telling you to believe in Bo Nix to uh, get them in field position. I'm for also going to also point out that Penn State's red zone defense has been incredible for them. Oh, Wisconsin yeah, went for, one for Wisconsin. Four. Yes, Wisconsin. Uh, you are acting like Wisconsin is a garbage team. They are not. No, no, no. But you're they're acting not. like th- you, there's can, like ta- there's the Tanks Auburn... Bigsby, there's Tanks Bigsby, and there's Ches Malusi. There's there's levels to this. Tank isn't actually prolific back chesmalusi is serviceable for now a lot of people at the beginning of the season had jalen Berger rated above chesmalusi there was no talk about chesmalusi and tanks bigsby as being comparable and i don't think penn state has faced a team like i mean faced a running back like tanks bigsby and like a hunter that's breaking out as well too this is a this is a, a completely different game and if penn state is caught lacking is about to, it's going to get really no bad. There's no way Penn really State ugly. is caught lacking during the whiteout game. Name a whiteout game where Penn State was truly caught lacking. They've it's, lost it's, whiteout it's, games before, don't get me wrong, but there's never been like a scenario where they just get the absolute 
breaks beaten off of them unless it was like some team that was like number one or two in the nation. I, I think it's different now. I mean, the last whiteout games you had against, I think, Big Ten opponents, which, you know, it's a Big Ten opponent. You're kind of like, you know, uh, you know, you can catch a few of them off guard with it, but this is the SEC. I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. If you believe that Noah Kane's going to, you know, lead that team and with the wideouts as well, too, to go against an Auburn defense, I can believe they can get a few, uh, maybe a touchdown or two, but that's it. I think Tank and Hunter and Bo Nix and that defense will be enough to stop uh, Penn State. Nah, I'm I'm taking Penn State to win this game. I'm taking them to win by about by by about touchdown to ten points. Ooh, all right. What's the spread on that game? Or uh... spread on this game is currently Penn State minus six. Penn State minus six. All right, I'll take the upset in that. So you take Auburn. I'm taking Penn State. Whew. That one got that one got a little heated. Um, we'll go Oklahoma State at Boise State. So Xavier, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, I'm just gonna go Boise. I like uh, Buckmeyer and I like Khalil Shakir. And then uh, even though George Holani is, I believe, hurt again, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it's a, how bad the extent of the injury is. I have to look that up. I actually, I will look that up if he's still hurt again. But I, I just think you know Oklahoma State. I, I, I was uh, I was enlightened by Jared last week that, you know, against some of these uh, better uh, group of five teams that Oklahoma State is not that great, especially against uh, the passing game as well, too. Khalil Shakir, I think, is that dominant of a receiver. And Buckmeyer looks like he's hitting on all cylinders with a lot of his, a lot of other receivers because last game, Khalil Shakir didn't even get a touchdown, but he had like a record day in yards with like, I think, 186 or 166, something like that. Mm-hmm. So... I'll take uh, Boise State. I'm agreeing with you. I'm, I'm going to take Boise State in this. Oklahoma State's been on the struggle bus this entire year. Like I, I'm trying to remember, like who did they, who did they face this past week? It was not anybody good. Um, they faced Tulsa this past week, beat them by about by about five points. Played Missouri State the week before, beat them by a touchdown. It, like a Bobby Petrino Missouri State team. Like come on. I don't see Boise State. And this is at home at Boise State, by the way, as well. Yeah, on the blue. So, on the blue, I there's just too many things not lining up for Boise State here. They got the weapons. They got Khalil Shakur. They got Cobbs. They got Bachmeyer, a dependable quarterback, I think, that can get them the ball. I think Boise State wins this game, and I think they win it very comfortably. The spread, spread on this game is only four and a half points. I think they win it comfortably. Yeah. All right, so we'll go on to another ranked-on-ranked matchup for this weekend. And that is this is actually our last game about just talking about the big games. We're about, we're about to get into some of the higher scoring games here in a second. But this is number 19, Arizona State on the road at number 23, BYU. This is at 10:15 on ESPN. I've not been good about that today. So my apologies, y'all, uh, about not telling you guys the times for these games. Um, so, Xavier, I went first or you went first last time. I'll go first here. It's going to be a close game. Um, Arizona State's favored by three and a half points. Uh, BYU is looking better than I expected, especially last week against Utah. Um, I think they played a very, very good game in that, in that game. Did a lot or a lot of things went right for them in order to make sure they got that win. And I think, I don't think it was a fluke. I think they just can perform very well. Um, I think they're replacing a lot of pieces from last year. I think Jaron Hall, while not Zach Wilson, like I'm not expecting Jaron Hall to be a first round quarterback or anything like that. I think he's perfectly serviceable enough to keep this offense going. 
Uh, Tyler Algier has been performing well enough for them. Uh, Neil Pau has become a very dependable wide receiver for them. But on the other side, you got Arizona State. Now, Arizona State's down a few pieces. Uh, they're down uh, Demontre Trayana. I believe Ngata is uh, another, or Daniel Ngata, another running back they have. He is limited currently. I believe he's able to play, but, you know, he's still kind of shaking off. So it only really re- re- only leaves Rashad White back there in that backfield. But Rashad White is an incredible running back for this Arizona State team. I think he's going to perform very well for them. In addition, you have Jaden Daniels, who is still limited in the passing game. And I think that has more to do with his receiving options rather than him himself. He seems to put the ball where it needs to be, but, you know, they just can't come down with it sometimes. Um, Yeah, no, again, this is a very, very close game. And I'm just – my gut is telling me Arizona State. I think BYU gets a little bit of a reality check here. And I think the odds makers believe that as well. I think Arizona State comes in, puts this game into a ground and pound scenario, wears out BYU. And I think Arizona State pulls out the win by probably about a field goal to a touchdown. I think Arizona State's going to win by two scores. Ooh. And yeah, I, I think they will. I, I, I like Arizona State's run defense. I know they're only rated like 27th, I think, in the nation, but. I think that's just enough to stop Tyler Algier, which I'm really excited for because, like, if their run defense is that good, then I'm expecting, like, 20 to 25 touches for Tyler Algier, and I feel mm-hmm. like he can break off for one, and that'll still be good enough for, you know, a lot of fantasy owners to for the volume that he's probably going to get. But I just don't believe that Jaron Hall, especially against a team of this caliber, I, I think, yeah, the Utah win was definitely impressive. I give him a lot of credit for that. I'll give Tyler Algier a lot of credit for that as well, too. But maybe we're just overrating Utah just a little bit based on the trench that they had and also that COVID season. But this, Utah's still a good team. But Arizona State is, is, is different. It's just a little bit different because I would still take in probably Arizona State if I had to pick between them and Utah, which I think mm-hmm. I'd still pick Utah to win the uh, Challenge Oregon in the Pac-12 or something like that. But I think I did as well. Yeah. That's the thing over there. I, I, I did as a as a as a Arizona State fan. I'm still going to take Arizona State in this game. I think Jim Dan's rushing ability, uh, and also with Rashad White, uh, who oh man, I really really loved. I, I wish I would have had any shares of him this uh, year, but I just kind of missed out because I waited too long. Mm-hmm. But I I just love the um, probably this is probably going to be the breakout game for him that really puts him on the map because he's going to get a lot of work especially on the ground and through the air and uh, out of the backfield receiving. So it's going to be a good game, but I still have Arizona State winning probably by two scores. Very, very nice. All right, so now we'll go ahead and move on to our high-scoring games of the week. These are the games where I have found the over-under to be over 65 points. We got seven of these games this week, so a lot of high-scoring games this week. Uh, So we're going to start off here with UCF, the UCF Knights going on the road and playing at Louisville. So we gotta we should talk about who we should be targeting in this game. And again, for a lot of these games, if you're struggling to determine like who to sit, who to start, a lot of times it's just better to go with the guy who's going to be playing in a better over-under game. And so in this game of UCF at Louisville, Xavier, who are the guys you're looking at here? Yeah, I'll talk on the UCF side. I, 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 I won't hit Dylan Gabriel first. I'll go with Isaiah Bowser. Uh, I think he's a name that's been uh, he's, uh, recently just popped up on the uh, CFF scene. Uh, he's getting a lot of work from Gus Malzahn. I know a lot of people were 
concerned about UCF and their offense and uh, how he would uh, dictate that offense. And it feels it's not bad so far. Like Bowser's getting a lot of work. He's getting the touchdowns as well, too. And also Dylan Gabriel seems to have not lost that much of a step to where he's still throwing a lot of touchdowns. And also his run game, uh, Dylan Gabriel on the ground is looking a little bit impressive as well, too. He's knowing when to escape the pocket and get some of those positive yardage games. So I love to, uh, those two options. But uh, I guess on the receiving side, it's really been, uh, I guess, a lot of people were expecting the next Marlon Williams from Jalen Robinson. And the first game, he actually showed that. The last game, maybe not so much because it was Ryan O'Keefe, which is another name that I, I had to rate it highly on that UCF uh, wide receiver room. But it's between O'Keefe, um, definitely Jalen. And, yeah, I think those are the two wide receivers I would probably target for this week as well. Now, uh, if you want to talk about the Louisville side, you can. But I, I feel like there's only, like, maybe two options. So, I mean, really, I think more than anything is just really Cunningham. I think that's yeah. the I think that's the best safe option on the Louisville side. I think people are really kind of focused in on the fact that these are two relatively weak defenses that are going to allow a lot of points. Uh, we thought the same thing with Ole Miss, but we saw what happened when Louisville went up against Ole Miss. They could not get any offense going for the most part. There was at one point where Malik Cunningham had the most passing yards, rushing yards, and receiving yards on their team that could that should tell you how much of an offensive struggle they were having in that game and so i really don't i i think this louisville offense has a ton of work to do and i would love to i would love to recommend jalen mitchell here but i just don't think we're quite there yet with him or any of these receiving options to see that like okay this is a guaranteed bet so if you're going to start somebody on louisville side i think it's malik cunningham or bus uh, I'll disagree and say maybe you should start Mitchell. I, I still, uh, if he still has that starting job, which I'm pretty sure he still has, um, UCF is a great opponent for him to uh, thrive against. Like mm-hmm. Eastern Kentucky uh, that he went against last week, he had 18 carries for 90 yards. I still like him at 18 carries. If he can get a little bit more in this UCF game up to 20, then I think he could break off and have his, uh, you know, make his claim in, uh, you know, call, uh, CFF. So mm-hmm. I, I still like Jalen Mitchell. Uh, I'm not off the bandwagon just yet, but I know a lot of people were, you know, kind of thrown for a loop uh, in that first game against Ole Miss. But I think maybe, maybe we just underestimated Ole Miss's defense, which, I mean, we had no reason to. Uh, we had no reason to, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, who are you taking this game, UCF or Louisville? Oh, that's tough. I. It's so funny because I, I'm too scared to start Dylan Gabriel. But also, I, I know, I know, I'm too scared to start Dylan Gabriel, but I have UCF winning. All right, I'll I'll try to wrap my head around that logic. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm I'm with you. I think UCF wins this game. Wins this game. I don't say comfortably, but I think it's one of those games where it won't be really in doubt throughout most of it. Even if it's a close yeah. game, it's like UCF will control this game pretty well. I did um, trade Bowser away. For Sam Howell and uh, somebody else, or I traded. Uh, also, I guess I guess there should be some context here. Xavier is scared of starting Dylan Gabriel in our home league, and Damn. that is and those and those that league is we, our rosters are stacked. Yeah, they're fun. So, oh, it's a it's a fun league because there's only four of us in it, but there's they're it stacked, 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 stacked rosters. I get to be two and zero. Oh. I get to start off my championship uh, title defense uh, on a great note. Yeah, it's because all my wide receivers showed up a week late. It's all good. My receivers are just they're just clicking. It's just great. Yeah, I, 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 I'll talk about that later. Whatever. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, uh, we'll move on to our next game here, and that is Nebraska at Oklahoma. So I'll let you speak first on this one, Xavier. Yeah, I'm surprised this has an over-under of, uh, what, 65? Or you said over 65? It's right at 65. It's right at 65. I'm surprised. I think people are starting to, like, look, I understand on our – on our last episode, we talked about some players that you might want to add on your waiver. And I suggested Adrian Martinez because it's about the stats. Now, I did say with the caveat of he is going against Oklahoma and he is going against better competition. But he is putting up the stats with his rushing and passing ability. But I think that ends here. I don't see I, – I don't believe in Scott Frost enough. You lost to Illinois your first game. What makes you think – what makes me think that you're going to be able to, like, you know, compete with an Oklahoma to put up enough to have that over under 65? I, I just don't see it. Now, I know Oklahoma's defense, that first game against Tulane, was not the greatest showing in the world. But I think week by week, they're going to get better. Grinch has shown that he is a competent defensive coordinator. Now, I will have a, a you know, I will have my formulated a full uh, thought around uh, the defense at, towards the end of the year and say, hey, this actually was a good defense, or maybe we were just, you know, kind of misled and overestimated. But for now, I'm going to go with the talent side of the Oklahoma defense and say that Nebraska will not be able to uh, have this over under, like have this over under that they're uh, basically uh, having right now. So I, it's, it's really weird. I, I'd say for Oklahoma, the only person that you could really start and I, I got to get to the main part, but yeah, it's, it's really just Spencer Rattler. And it's hard to say because it, it's really tough. Oklahoma has spread out their offense so much, and Jared made the comment that he uh, believed that no wide receiver would finish in like the, uh, on the Oklahoma receiver would finish in the top twenty-five of wide receivers for fantasy, mm-hmm. and that's looking like it's going to come true. And that's no disrespect to Oklahoma; it's just that they're spreading the ball so much to where I can't get a, a consistent one hundred yard receiver a game. Now, I will say for the future, Mario Williams is going to be great. I can't wait to see what that will look like because Theo Weiss is out for the season. Uh, sorry for him and his injury. Hope he gets better. But um, you still have Jaden Hasselwood, which a lot of people were like really happy about coming out of high school. But now he has uh, got injured. Doesn't look that great. But now he's kind of coming into his own. Then you have Eric Gray, Kennedy Brooks. I can't understand that backfield just yet. I do like Eric Gray a little bit more. He had a better game in the second game of the season last week. But I can't gauge and just put anybody to say, hey, I, I would start you for my fantasy unless you're Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, for the most part, I kind of agree. And again, I think starting Marvin Mims is not something I'm going to advise you against because I still think that yeah. he may have just had a bad week last week or in the week before where just, you know, just aren't getting the touchdowns. But I, again, I agree with you for the most part. And again, this, I've been, I've been banging this drum pretty much since, uh, late in the off season where I just kind of had a realization where I was just like, there's just too many pieces here. There's too many pieces that are going to demand targets. And you're going to see guys lose out on that because of that. You're going to see guys who are going to like go off one week, but at the next week, they're not going to be doing much because there's just too many mouths to feed. So from a fantasy perspective, I would only start really Spencer Rattler on Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska, I guess if you want to start Adrian Martinez, I'm not going to, I'm not going to recommend it, but I'm just not a believer in Adrian Martinez at all. Uh, Samori Tori though, I think Nebraska will be put in a passing situation in this game and he'll probably get a good amount of the targets is a, what's his name? Oliver Martin supposed to come back this week. Uh, I believe so. Hopefully. Uh, 
I, you have him yeah. as well. That might not that might not be a bad flyer in a deeper league, but I think we, we're both in agreement though that Oklahoma is going to win this game pretty handedly. Oh yeah, and I think there's a lot of many many years of Oklahoma getting pent up frustration from not being able to play Nebraska. Yeah, so I think Oklahoma wins this game pretty comfortably. Uh, next game we have on the schedule here we have Florida State at Wake Forest. This is another one I was kind of shocked by the over-under on. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Vegas just doesn't believe in either one of these teams' defenses and that they will be putting up points. So from a fantasy fantasy perspective, Xavier, who are you starting in this game? Uh, let me start from the running back of Florida State. I've started Deshaun Corbin because um, it's Deshaun Corbin. I think he's a great running back for Florida State. Um I'm trying to remember what he did. In the, I think he had a touchdown in like 80-something yards in his last game against Jacksonville State. And mm-hmm. also he had a great game against Notre Dame as well, too. But uh, if I had to pick anybody else, uh, yeah, uh, I guess uh, I'm on the Florida State side of the ball, uh, that is um, – I guess if you're in a deep league and the fact that you're going against Wake Forest, I really am hesitant to say this, but – Maybe Jordan Travis for his rushing ability. But that is a real, like, me being hesitant. And also, Mackenzie Milton did start against Jacksonville State. So, I don't even know who's going to start for Florida State. So, it just – I honestly don't even know. It depends on, like, who starts. If, if it's McKenzie, then, yeah, I would start McKenzie. If it's Jordan – I'd start any of the Florida State quarterbacks just because it's Wake Forest's defense. Just find out who's starting first. <laughs> yeah, find out who's starting. It's it's really weird. Um, I don't know where they're gonna go from there, but it's, it's whatever. Um, Are you afraid of um the quarterback getting pulled as they fall behind? Yeah, that too. But uh, it's it's really gonna be tough because they they only used the Jordan Travis for three attempts and he missed on all of them in that mm-hmm. Jacksonville State game. And Mackenzie Milton threw a touchdown, but also threw an interception. So. I think McKenzie probably will get the start, but I wouldn't be surprised if he started to struggle. They just throw Jordan out there. And he starts running around and getting a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I can vouch for anybody else in that Florida State team just yet. I what don't about know Wake Forest? Wake Forest, Jakiri Roberson. All day, that's every all day. I, all day, every day. That's that's really all I can say. Um, not Forest starting Sam. Also... Oh, oh uh, actually, uh, you know what? Why did I say I am disrespecting Wake Forest? I mean, um, Disrespecting the running back, uh, Christian Beal Smith. I, I think uh, he's worth worthy of a start against Florida State. Now we'll say throw in a Christian Turner, their uh, backup running back. Uh, he's been getting plenty of work in recent weeks, and he's looking good okay. too. Uh, now I will say I, I would be a little bit hesitant uh, with the running backs. I, I do like the talent of Christian Beal Smith, and you said it's Christian Turner as well. He did get nine carries that last game, and had uh, Christian Beal Smith had nine carries as well too, but. Florida State's, uh, you know, linebackers are really good. I like Jermaine Johnson. He can get to the quarterback, and he can also stop the run. So that can be a big factor. I'm not saying it's gonna, he's going to do that all day, every day, because they kind of rotate. But he is that has that starting job where he's going to be on the field majority of the time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I still like those running backs. But, yeah, that's it. Yep. No, um, Ja'Carri Roberson. And then you, you briefly mentioned Sam Hartman. I think if you're struggling for a start, like you're struggling a quarterback in a league and you need somebody who's likely on the waiver wire and or just can start for one week. I think Sam Hartman is a pretty good pick for this week. I think he's going to do wonders against that Florida State defense. 
So regardless, who you have winning this game, Saber, Florida State or Wake Forest? I have no idea. Um, God, who, who do you have winning? I'm going Wake Forest. You're going Wake Forest. My first thought was Florida State, so I'm just going to go with my first thought of Florida State. All right. You know, it, it would be a good uh, – it would Bounce back. Good be a, be a good bounce back win for them. Um, we'll go with the next game here, and that is SMU at LA Tech. So I guess I'll start on the SMU side here, and really it's just any lot. of the three main wide receivers, you have them on your team, might as well start them. Reggie Roberson Jr., Danny Gray, Rashi Rice, any of those three I think are good bets to at least get a couple or – are are good bets in order to get near 100 yards in the touchdown, especially in a team like LA Tech that has already been in a shootout this week. Not this week, this year. I could easily see this game easily hitting the over. And I think all three of those wide receivers are worth it. Tanner Mordecai, uh, you need to start him. It's clear that the name of the game for SMU this year will be pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball as much as they can. And... Even uh, the running back, Ulysses Bentley, he's getting plenty of work in the receiving game. So I think Tanner Mordecai is your best bet to start there. Grant Calcaterra, uh, tied up. You're right. Grant Calcaterra is another option. I think uh, if you if if he's not already owned on a roster in your league, pick him up this week and put him on your starting lineup. Keep him there for the rest of the year, please. Probably, unless you have somebody like Michael Meyer or something like that. Like Yeah. But – Grant Calcaterra looks like this at this point is an every week starter for tight end. Um, I, I mentioned Ulysses, Ulysses Bentley. I think even though he's splitting carries with Trey Siggers, it's looking like he's still by far the more talented back out of those two. Yeah. So I think he's worth a start, especially at flex. Now on the LA tech side of things, pretty much the only name I'm coming up here is Austin Kendall. Um, really? The quarterback for them he's had he's had a good uh two weeks uh so far if you're i'm not saying he's a must start but this is a guy that you're looking at and saying kind of similar to sam hartman where i think this is a good opportunity for like if you're struggling a quarterback for this week and you need somebody to step in for one week i think austin kendall is a good option what do you think xavier what who are you looking at i only had one guy from la tech but it was marcus williams jr transferred from app state i like him a lot I, i know he's kind of struggled against the um against uh, Mississippi State, but that's Mississippi State SC defense near LA Tech. I mean, obviously you're not going to have the best of games, but in his last game he did have 18 carries for 99 yards, and uh, he didn't get the touchdowns, but he by far had the most carries, and I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities in this game. And I, I love the talent that he showed at App State when they were rotating between Harrington, uh, Peoples, and um, him. So I, I like Marcus Williams this game. That's the only guy I probably would uh, – you know, be worthwhile of putting in. Austin Kendall, yeah, is very interesting. He has some rushing ability, so and he threw a touchdown as well too. So it's not terrible. All right, who you got winning this game though? SMU or LA Tech? Oh, SMU. Yeah, I'm going SMU as well. That that my prediction of them when uh making the AAC championship is feeling better and better each week. Uh, they're looking oh, yeah. really really good. I will say UCF's looking better than I thought they would too. So I think that's going to be a great game if those two ever face off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still think it's Cincinnati and everybody else, but even still, I think SMU is gonna do well for themselves this this year. Uh, Virginia at North Carolina. 
Oh, God. So you want to start been, this one? I have been dreading of who, like like we said, the UCF and Louisville game. This is another game because I just traded for Sam Howell. And I, I love what I saw last week. And I was like, I knew what I had to trade for because I couldn't get the quarterbacks that I really, really wanted. But I was like, Sam Howell is still a quality starter. Sam Howell is still a good quarterback. I have not given up on Sam Howell. We have him in our Kings Classic League. I love Sam Howell. But I need to see a little bit more. But I still have him. I have him starting currently. Like, it's it's super weird because I, I don't rate Virginia highly. It's just Brennan Armstrong is good. Like, he is. he showed that last week. With, for some reason, his arm think, is looking better than his leg. I think Brent Armstrong's an every week starter at this point. Don't yeah, you agree? absolutely, absolutely. His the fact that his arm looks better than his legs right now is saying a lot to where we know he can run. So if he has, if he has to, he will, and that's the scary part about it. So I, I'm, I, I believe, like you know, it's not one of these games where I'm just surprised about the over under. I, I can believe it, especially from um, North Carolina's defense has shown against uh, this uh, first. Uh, the first game, but it's just I, I I don't know what their offensive line is going to look like. If Sam Howe is going to get pressure, especially against it's Virginia, I would expect them to be better, and you know have Josh Downs in there. Uh, I still don't know about Ty Chandler right now. I'm on the fence to where I still have hope for Ty Chandler as long as I give him more opportunities and I like Ty Chandler, but it, it just doesn't feel like they're using him properly. So I don't know. I would only start for um, North Carolina, uh, Sam Howell and Josh Downs in West Virginia, I guess. Um, I mean, not West Virginia, Virginia, Brandon Armstrong, unless there's another name on that Virginia I'll team. I'll throw two you... more names out for Virginia. Uh, Dontavian Wicks had himself a hell of a game last week. Now, granted, again, this is – they were going up against a um, – lesser teams, so they're just kind of beating up on him. This guy might be getting more reps in that game than he typically would in a game, but also Brandon Armstrong seemed to develop some good chemistry with him in the end zone, so I think he's absolutely worth a look. Dontavian Wicks was his name. And then the tight end, Jelani Woods. Uh, nowhere to be seen week one, but last week, man, he went off. And yeah. I think that he's going to become an integral part of this Virginia offense going forward. And so I would say if you don't have Jelani Woods on your team and you're struggling at tight end, he's a great pickup option. Um, so Xavier, which side are you going here? Virginia Tech or Virginia or North Carolina? I'll go North Carolina. I'm going to go North Carolina as well. Again, I think that first game was a true wake up call for them. And I don't think they're going to let a team like Virginia sneak up on them again. I will say, I will, I will shout out, uh, you know, we have a little bit of a connection for, with Virginia because Billy Kemp is the governor's what, uh, nephew, nephew son, I believe. Nep- yeah. So. Now, leaving the politics aside, the fact that we were just like, wow, our governor's nephew plays for uh, a Division One football school, that's pretty interesting. But, yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the only thing. Don't, don't even leave out the fact that uh, at Utah or at BYU, you got Baylor Romney and Gunnar Romney. Yeah, that's pretty so, funny, too. Even, even still. We'll go ahead and move on to uh, one of our last two games. Tulane at Ole Miss. Oh, this is one I'm excited for. Oh, God. I'm excited for this really? one. Oh, yeah. I like Michael Pratt a lot. I think he is the kind of guy that is one of these was one of these sleeper quarterbacks going into this year. This is a dude that is involved in almost every one of his team's plays, uh, even when well, they're running the, the quarterback. Ball. OK, you know what I mean, though? Like this is <laughs> like the offense runs through Michael Pratt. I think he does extremely well for himself. And don't forget, they, they took Oklahoma to the wire. 
This is a tough team. And they're going up against an Ole Miss team that obviously has a massive amounts of firepower, but we're still having questions on defense. Now, they did well against Louisville. Well done. But we're still not sure if that was good defense on Ole Miss' part or if it was bad offense on Louisville's part. We know Tulane is a good offense at this point. So I think this is a prove-it game for Ole Miss saying that, hey, if you if you slow down Tulane like you slowed down Louisville – that's more good on that. That's a legitimate improvement on Ole Miss's defense and makes them an even bigger threat overall in the SEC than I think a lot of people have been giving them credit for. Uh, in terms of in terms of the players in CFF to start here, I think I, I mean Matt Corral, obviously, obviously, like he's an every week starter no matter what. Even against Alabama, I plan on starting him. Um, Jerry and Ely. Um, the, the Ole Miss running back rotation, I think, is a little bit wonky right now, so be a little careful there. But even still, uh, Dontario Drummond, uh, Jonathan Mingo, um, Braylon Sanders, if you are desperate, I think he's the kind of guy that any given week he could get he could develop chemistry with Corral and start breaking off for a big game. Um, but those are the guys on Ole Miss side, Tulane. I really think it's Michael Pratt, and that's it. Uh, Cameron Carroll, if you're looking for a uh, decent option at running back, um, and then Tyreek James, I think is a good, a decent option at tight end if you're looking for that. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Oh, I'm one of those believers that think Ole Miss is a legitimate uh, threat to a lot of SEC teams. I think their defense, from what I saw in certain scenarios, is, you know, not to say like, you know, uh, anything stout or anything, but I think it's legit to where it's nothing to scoff over anymore. But I, I think, yeah, you could catch Oklahoma off guard because Spencer Rattler did have some growing pains that first, uh, his first year starting. And especially coming uh, off of a COVID season, first season back in an actual like, you know, home environment, mm-hmm. you know, the crowd's cheering and jarring and now you have to go out there and perform. So Tulane also was coming in there hungry. They lost uh, Hurricane Ida had them a little bit more motivated because they couldn't play on their home field. But I just don't see it. I, I love Michael Pratt. I would love Michael Pratt versus like, you know, anybody uh, in their division or in their conference, but I don't like them against Ole Miss. I, I don't see it. I, I've been, I've been down this road too many times with this Tulane offense and, you know, uh, Michael Pratt is experienced. I think he's, you know, one of these gems that are up and coming in CFF and a lot of people are happy that he's, uh, you know, kind of emerging as a, a, a solid quarterback. But I think Ole Miss will be his downfall, uh, you know, his one, you know, stain on his uh, record for the season. I'm going to disagree with you. I think I think Mike Pratt still gets his point. But at the end of the day, I think Ole Miss wins this game. I think they win yeah. pretty comfortably. Spread on this game is two touchdowns, and I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Cool. I would have it higher, but it's just me. So they're off to the races. And the next one – or our last game we're going to discuss here is not a midnight game, but it's about as Pac-12 after dark as you can get. Fresno State at UCLA. Yeah. These are two teams that I think still people have a lot of question marks about, or they're still not entirely sure whether to, to believe in them or not. UCLA beats LSU. Huge mm-hmm. win for the program. They run all over UCLA or they they run all over LSU. Fresno State took Oregon to the wire in their game. 
And Oregon just went out and beat Ohio State at home. So I think partially we're looking at Fresno State and saying we might have underrated Fresno State just a little bit. Now, I like pieces on both of these teams on both sides of the ball. Jake Heiner, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the two quarterbacks in this game, start them both. Ronnie Rivers, Jack, Zach Charbonnet, Britton Brown, start them all. Um, Greg Dolchich out of UCLA, start him. Jalen Cropper out of Fresno, start him. Carrick uh, uh, Wheatfall and uh, Josh Kelly, also Fresno State, if you're really looking for like a flyer upside flex kind of guys, start them. There's a lot of pieces here that I really, really like, and I think there's going to be tons of points scored in this game. Xavier, what do you think? Well, you took all my points, so that's <laughs> oh, great. sorry. I was like, wow, we're I got, just going to take I Fresno got, and uh, – I'm Eastfield. sorry. I, I like, got too excited. split this. I really, like, I really like this game, and honestly yeah. – this is the kind of Pac-12 after dark game that ends with the UCLA upset. Yeah, I really hope so. Like this is the kind like where UCLA falls. Just like while we're all in bed, we all wake up the next morning. We say, "What the hell? Why did UCLA lose this game?" And it's just uh, it's, uh, the only reason I want UCLA to lose is because I just really don't want to support the Pac-12 and the champion. Like I don't want to see the Pac-12 in the college football playoffs. I really don't want to see that. I just don't. <laughs> Cause I already know what that's going to lead to. And it's just going to, it's going to be like another Notre Dame situation where I just don't want to watch that team. Like if I have to see Dorian Thompson Robertson and that UCLA team think that they can beat Bama and hype themselves up just to be like disappointed. I don't want to see that. All right. So PAC 12 fans before you all kill us, I uh, probably should give some context uh, for Xavier's uh, not hatred towards the PAC 12, but the reason why he roots against them. He has a very, very adamant, Pac-12 friend that constantly oh, texts him. And so Xavier has been putting down the Pac-12 and doesn't want to be on the wrong end of the I told you so moment for the Pac-12 this year. It's okay because, like, you know, the SEC has more ranked teams than the Pac-12 has at this moment. They only have three. We have, like, seven. It's okay. These things happen. You can – I'm the only Pac-12 team I really support – and that's only because they beat my friend's team of Oregon is Arizona State. And that was like two years ago. And it was a great game. So I was able to watch it after dark. And I watched all four quarters. And it was great. Brandon Ayuk just destroying the Oregon safety. Good game. Good game. If you ever need yeah. to rewatch a game, that was just a great game to watch. That was a fun one. Anyway, at the end of all of this, we, we kind of mentioned all the CFF players for Fresno State at UCLA. So who wins the game, Xavier? This is tough. Um, go UCLA. Damn, I thought we'd get a split on that one. It's all good. Um, I'm I'm going UCLA here again. Like I like I said, I think this is a game where I would not be shocked if I woke up set Sunday morning and UCLA somehow lost this game. Yeah, but I like at sharps. End, but at the end of the day, I like UCLA's run game. I like their some of their passing options. Uh, I think they slow down Fresno State just enough. I think it's a close game. The spread on this game is 11 and a half points. I think it's way closer than that. I think it's way closer than that. This is like a late touchdown kind of game. So, yeah, yeah that wraps up our week three preview. I'm pretty sure we went way longer than uh, we were kind of hoping to go here, but that's all right. That's what we do around here. We give you guys all the content. It's great. So, any other thoughts you want to have about week three, Xavier, before we head out of here? um not really uh hope everybody enjoyed the podcast we had fun making this one sorry it came out a little bit late technical difficulties me being late for last night i won't you know shy away from the truth we are all honesty here um 
Yeah, that that Oakland uh, that Oakland Raiders game and Baltimore game also uh, went late, and also I was in bed early. So when I woke up, I was like, "Well, this game got really close. Let me watch this." And then Jared had texted me, and I just didn't look at my phone. Whatever. Football is football. I like it. I enjoy it. It sometimes takes up too much of my life, and I forget responsibilities. But we're gonna be better about that. We will. We will. Again, we we've been pretty good so far. This is this is the yeah. first kind of hiccup in our schedule, but we'll be yeah. fine. We'll get the Kings Classic. Uh, sit start discussion out to you guys later this week i believe we don't have anybody starting thursday do we have anybody on friday is uh, that, better about this than i am that is a great question uh, uh, i don't think so i think it oh we have a team chair we need to decide about because he plays friday he does and i'm gonna let people know that i'm gonna probably advocate for him to play that game probably i, I would say so uh but yeah. even so um y'all Make sure you follow us on YouTube or subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared and at CFF underscore Xavier. Ask us any questions that you want. DM us. We will try to get back to you guys as soon as possible. Um, You can find me on the CFF side Discord as well. If you ever want to just DM me there, if that's easier for you, that is fine. Um, Or you can just ask me questions like in the chat. Uh, No problem there. If you um make sure you're following us on spotify leave a review on apple podcast y'all i love reading a good apple podcast review it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside with little butterflies in my stomach it's wonderful i love it so with all that being said i'm excited about week three i'm I'm excited to get some answers about some of these teams i have a lot of question marks about and with that i wish you all adieu